You are listening to the Quest for 100, a discussion on everything you never knew you wanted to know. And now your hosts, Justin and Brian. We are back. Back with a little bit of uh, special smooth jazz. Smooth jazz. This week uh, we've got a little little jazz going. I'm one of your hosts, as the, the fine voice always says. I am Brian, joined by my friend Justin. Hello. How's it going, Justin? It is going well. Uh, I can't complain. I'm here. Uh, it's snowy here in Seattle, so but uh, it's just enough snow here that it's it scares a lot of people. Which is good because then the actually we were talking about this earlier, but the roads are actually kind of nicer because most people leave at weird times. But it, I I like a little a little bit of snow. It's kind of nice seeing the um, white covered trees and grass and stuff. It just reminds me of peaceful moment. Yeah, the the roads here in Seattle have been very empty. Yeah, the last two days. What day is this? So Wednesday. I said yeah. I guess the last three days really yeah. they've been pretty empty and. People are people are scared. It should in snow Seattle. more. Yeah, it should snow more. Though though uh, most most offices I think deal with the same thing in Seattle because and we've talked about this in previous podcasts. But when it snows in Seattle, people don't really know how to drive and operate in it. So yeah. they they drive out of fear uh, and and operate out of fear. So they're like, ah, maybe I won't come into work today. Yeah. So I don't think even though I would love this a lot during the winter, I don't think businesses would would thrive with their employees working from home or not at all no and and it was funny at at my office today you know there was a little bit of snow and everybody saw that and immediately left yeah and then it's time to go yeah (laughs) it's like okay so if everybody's leaving right now yeah and you're afraid you feel like you can drive in snow yeah but i'm getting a call from state college right now what Hmm. Interesting. Maybe they're a quester. Maybe. Maybe they wanted to. <laughs> that would have been funny to answer. <laughs> Hello, we're on live on a podcast. <laughs> oh my gosh, we need to do that. If there's a phone call from a miscellaneous person, they're going to be a guest on our podcast. <laughs> oh, that will be spectacular. <laughs> Please remember this okay. moment. <laughs> okay. Next time. Sorry. Sorry, whoever just called me from State College, but uh, that was that was interesting. We are Penn State. Yeah. But uh, yeah, so what I was saying was that uh, uh, people, th- they were all leaving at the same time, and yet they all can drive in the snow. Yeah. They're afraid of the other people who can dri- can't drive in the snow. Yet if everyone is leaving at the same time, <laughs> that's a lot that- of people who are on the roads that you're inevitably scared of. Yes. So, I feel like it's better to travel later yes. than earlier. Yeah, but. yeah I, I completely agree. Um, but, you know, we might be the anomaly. I get it. I'm yeah. not from here. I'm, I'm used to driving in the snow. Same. You know. I, I, I was telling somebody that I grew up on a gravel road. That yeah. means that essentially I was driving in snow yeah. all the time yeah. because, like, you'd be going 40 miles an hour on the gravel road and you'd kind of lose yeah. a little bit of control yeah. going around turns. And, and if a car popped up and – there is only really space for one yeah. car to go on that gravel road. So yeah, it's and I uh, yeah again I get it. Like if you if you haven't been trained in if you haven't had I mean I could I well, probably both of us like I've had like scary moments in the snow in my younger years. Yeah. 
um, you know, because of it, and you kind of learn how to adapt from it. And if you never had that, then, you know, I guess you didn't learn. By the way, Mom, if you're listening, I do not go 40 miles per hour on the road. <laughs> I drive safer than that. <laughs> but one day he did, and he learned. Um, so what have you been up to since last time, Justin? Uh, not too much on my end. Uh, just kind of a relaxing weekend. We did a lot of cleaning had a couple friends over uh, to watch some football, but other than that, it was it was pretty pretty relaxing. I don't really have too much. It's starting to get into those colder months, so um, you know things are slower, and I don't know. It's just a different way of of life in this time. I, I was remem- re- reminiscing because of the snow. I was reminiscing about last year when we had a couple snow days, like big snow yeah, days for sure. And you know, I'd have to come over to your humble abode. <laughs> yes. And, uh, you know, record because we went almost like two weeks with, you know, yeah, snow days. Right. So. Yeah. I remember that, that we were like hunkered down. There was a couple of days we had lost power. I definitely will say, you know, that was not fun losing the power last year. And I am a little fearful of that. We, I, uh, unwisely, you know, I, I met with a, uh, tree cutter guy. What are they called? Ar- arborist. Arborist. I don't know if he would consider himself that, but he cuts down trees. Yeah, sure. Arborist. Um, so I met with one, you know, maybe month and a half, two months ago, and we talked about like trimming down one of the trees because the previous year we got we lost a lot, and I, my cheap uh, side of me was like, well, you know, I probably can get away with it for maybe another year, and so when the snow comes, that is my one fear is that it will start like destroying my tree further, and I. I just hope my car's not under it is all it really comes down to. But yeah. We haven't, we haven't gotten too much down here in Renton. No, not a ton. So it's Up not Up north right a little now. bit more. Here. Yeah. What about you? What have you been up to? Well, my two two bits. One, I've been without a furnace or, well, a fully functioning furnace the last couple of days. So Oh, my. Yeah. It's so been, you, do you have no heat then at uh, all? I have fireplaces. But yeah, I mean, it's been weird because it's kind of popped on for a couple minutes and then it will immediately shut off before it's gotten up to the temperature it's supposed to. So it hasn't gotten like extremely cold, Yeah, but it's definitely not a, you know, ideal temperature or even somewhere close to that. So that's one. Number two is my, my big news. And I can't remember if I talked about this, uh, when we were going around the, the Christmas holiday, but mm-hmm. I had ordered a Sega uh, Classic or Sega Mini, I think is what they're calling it. Yes. Sega Genesis Mini. Yeah. I finally got that th- in oh, the mail nice. last week. And so I was playing some games and man. Sega. Yeah. Some of those games just took me back. Yeah. I mean, j- just like the the Super, Super Nintendo, Nintendo Classic. Yeah. But yeah. Uh, these, this was more in my wheelhouse in yeah. terms of like my formative years. Yes. So, you know, playing Sonic the Hedgehog and mm-hmm. and uh, Streets of Rage and there's a Mortal Kombat on there. Oh, yeah. A lot of the games that actually you find in arcades as well. Yeah. Which was kind of cool. I mean, there's some on the NES, or yeah. the, the Super Nintendo that you find in arcades. But, like, yeah. when we were growing up and could go into the arcades and actually yep. reach the buttons. Yeah. <laughs> it was... Yeah, generation. I think that for me, for me, that was N sixty four, and and I have an N sixty a working N sixty four, so I do have some games I can you know when I want to reminisce. But I I love that that classic whatever it's called the package of it where yeah. you can it's very simple, it doesn't take up much space, all the games are on there, and you still get the feel like it was you know you're playing it before. And so. again, I think we I talked about this last time when I um, got the the well maybe I didn't, but the fact that you can save. 
Oh, yes. We did talk about we that. Talked, yeah. yeah. During the video games episode. Yeah. We talked about the fact that you can save on them. Mm-hmm. And so it's like, it's kind of a game changer. Yeah. It also feels like it's a little bit cheating. It is. It definitely is. If you talk to a traditionalist, they're totally like that. If you beat the game like that, it's like. Yeah. It's not that I, I, I don't even want to beat the game that way sometimes, but it's like, as a busy person now, I may not have the whole night to stay up and try sure. to beat the game anymore. Sure. So. Well, honestly, and not to dig too deep into this. Yeah, we are going way down. But the path. but the a lot of the games, even like when I got the NES Classic, the NES like Mario, like I would play, you know, for an hour or so, and I'll you know play, and I could play longer, but I get to a certain point where I'm like oh, I'm kind of done with this for now. But maybe yeah. I'll come back. Yeah. Like that luxury is so nice. But just thinking back in those days when you're like, all right, well, you know, I've just got to keep the system on, yeah. or I just got to keep playing for hours. Got to write down until, my password. Yeah. Right. So, it's it's crazy how far we've come. Um, yeah, but you know that's that's awesome. I'm excited. Maybe uh, the next time we're over I'll, or I'm over your house recording, you can well, uh, you know, share again. Do we you have two controllers or just one? We have two controllers. Okay. Um, I I do have. Uh, I think on our list we have a Sonic the Hedgehog. Ooh. coming up. So oh, maybe that's perfect yeah. for it. We'll play a little Sonic that day. Yeah. All right. Well, uh, you know, we've talked for a long time <laughs> about not <laughs> about jazz. nothing. We're we're going to talk about Miles Davis today. Miles Davis. I don't even know why we decided to talk about Miles Davis. Well, there's was one. There's two major reasons. One, we wanted to do a music episode, so here we are talking music, and we wanted to do, you know, what better perfect alignment, you know, it's it's Martin Luther King Day coming up pretty soon here, and so we wanted to celebrate a notable African-American artist uh, in history, and jazz to me is a, a, a really strong representation within that group, and so Miles Davis kind of went to the top of the list and yep. that's kind of why we chose him i mean there, we could have went a lot of different paths but i was intrigued to learn more about him and i'm 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 intrigued right now to learn more on the history of him but but yeah it, i i think it'll be a good topic well today. before we get into history let's uh drop or no we're not dropping knowledge <laughs> you did it again brian we're getting into the news The problem is you just teed me up so well to drop some knowledge. I did. I got in your head. Yeah. That's that okay. I was thinking, oh, we're going to drop some knowledge. No, we're nope. not dropping knowledge. We're nope. going to do some news. I, I duped you. Yeah. Um, well, my news is actually about this this program called The Secret 7. Uh, so this program uh, takes seven tracks from seven of the best-known musicians uh, around and presses each one a hundred times into seven inch vinyls. So it's kind of like a little bit of a flashback uh, to how that used to be done. And, and then they openly invite artists to create artwork on those seven tracks. Hmm. Um, so it's been an art project that they've been doing for a couple of years. The result is 700 unique records, which are exhibited in London before being sold on a first come first sold first served basis. Um, interesting like small caveat is that the buyers don't know who created the artwork or even which song it's for until they've uh, parted with their um, with their music and, and purchased it uh, or parted with their cash I guess uh, and this year they, they they've done this this is the seventh year so is that why it's seven or it's not? They've actually oh. been doing the secret seven for seven years, and it just happens to be the seventh year. Seven, and seven for the seven inch, 
Yes, I think that's why. But this year they are featuring, it's kind of cool, an eclectic group of musicians. So Aretha Franklin, Bob Dylan, Foo Fighters, Vampire Weekend, Coffee, The Internet, and of course why this is relevant, Miles Davis. Who's The Internet? I've never heard of Coffee or The Internet, Hmm. though they do seem to work well together. Um, but coffee with a K though. Yes, with a K. So the the song that they're doing with Miles Davis is "Miles Runs the Voodoo Down," and uh, yeah. So in 2020, they're celebrating, as I mentioned, the seventh. This will be the final edition of the show, and they're hoping their projections are are hoping for around 250 thousand euros for that that would be raised for this. And I, I don't have the cause here, but it is for uh, a good cause. So this is helping supporting refugees. Oh, there you go. So uh, just a really cool initiative. I, I would have never known about it. And, and you know, they're pulling in an, a prominent uh, jazz artist for it. So, well, mine comes from you know, it's not overly new news, but the uh, Miles Davis movie or doc, it's kind of a documentary. Yeah. yeah. It was released this year, and it's called The Birth of Cool, and it is actually up for a Best Music Film Grammy nomination. So it is going up against Beyonce's Homecoming, Dave Crosby's Remember My Name, uh, Shangri-La, and Anima. I don't know any of it. So just a small side note, the it's not really a note, more just a thought, is... Does it feel weird to you that a Miles Davis documentary is in the same conversation as Beyonce? Beyonce? Yeah. Like and and almost it feels disrespectful that Beyonce I, I Beyonce is world class, you know, great, you know, all that other stuff, but I always feel like I don't know. Miles Davis is like a cla- it's different. It's a it's a music thing. It's a video or movie. Yeah, but, it's it's more of a but just feels weird to me film. that they're in the same category. Mm, I don't know. I, I mean, they're probably two really great films. I'm sure they are. So, I I, I didn't even realize that that the Grammys featured a best music film category. Yeah. So, but yeah. the the Grammy Awards are January twenty sixth, so they're coming up here, um, so you can figure out if Miles actually wins. Yeah, there we go. We'll keep you posted. All right. Well, we've we've ultimately buried the lead. Oh yes, as we always do. Yeah. So, what's your knowledge of yeah. Miles Davis going into this, or so love my, or whatever yeah. for jazz music? Uh so my. My knowledge of Miles Davis is pretty low, other than name value. Uh, I know I've heard his music. I wouldn't be able to point it out yep. uh, before this this conversation. I think, um, you know, this unlike unlike some other musicians that we've done, you know, uh, in the past, this is one that I genuinely felt like I was learning new things about, and and it was kind of open or fresh fresh book, I guess. But but I did I, I will say you know my background I took a uh, I don't know what it was called introduction to jazz or jazz history or mm-hmm. something like that I took that in college uh, a semester of that and I really enjoyed the class I had some fun learning about these artists uh, it was a, a genre of music that I never 
thought about, never grew up much with. Uh, you were an orchestra guy, right? Uh, I was, yeah. yeah. So I wasn't a band guy. Yeah. So I, I had appreciation for instruments and instrumentals, and you know, I liked piano. I liked, you know, I liked the the general sound of it, but I never really thought about it until that class. And it really opened up my eyes to a lot. And I, I don't remember a lot. I remember names uh, of some people, but, and I could maybe pick out a couple of people and, and whatnot, but, um, but I have grown appreciation from it, from that class. Yeah. So I was middle school and I was a band guy Yeah, and I actually played the trumpet. Yeah. So, you know, I have a little bit of understanding of who miles davis is from there i also i only played it in middle school you know so it didn't make it into high school or anything you know more impressive than that i was yeah i was its second chair chapter. Yeah. okay so not the best in the <laughs> school but 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 close. pretty good yeah yeah i also uh took a class in college just like you oh okay. i believe mine was actually the history of jazz and rock and the oh. the influence that jazz played on rock and roll interesting so yeah it was it was a cool class um it was actually one of our winter classes so you know we are basically kind of jan term is some another way that people refer to it where you take one class during the month of january and you go for three straight hours for you know three weeks i think or maybe you know yeah something like 18 to 20 days and you get three full credits for it oh wow um and so you're only focused on that one class and i took this class and it was really interesting to kind of see the inner weavings of rock and roll jazz and even country to a certain extent yeah and the music landscape over the you know 60s to to like got into a little bit of the rap and stuff like that as well um, but it was mostly, you know, jazz and rock and it it was an interesting class. And so I learned about, you know, Miles Davis and Dizzy Gillespie and, you yeah. know, all of those, you know, jazz musicians yep. from back in the day. So, you know, have a fairly good understanding. I yeah. didn't know, you know, where yeah. it came from and all that kind I, of stuff. But. I don't know about you, but when I took the class, it wasn't like, I have a passion for jazz and I want to learn more about it. It was just, at the time, it was, a, I think, a gen ed or something like that that allowed me to get credits. But after taking the class for me, I was I, I definitely had a higher appreciation for it and I you know felt like I'd Yeah, same. It wasn't, uh, it wasn't a requirement. Actually, almost all of those January classes were just like taking classes that were kind of fun because yeah. yeah. they were three-hour classes. I yeah. mean, that's... To sit in a class that was something that wasn't fun for three hours yeah, would, be, would be brutal. So yeah, it'd be rough. But uh, let's drop some knowledge. As we get made fun of and always do, as we say this, I'm the stats guy. Or no. <laughs> <laughs> he always says it and he screws it up. I tried to. Oh. I tried to, you to improvise. You don't screw it up very often. That might have been one of the first it's times you I did. I was trying to to like stick it to one of our friends <laughs> who always makes fun of us for saying yeah. it the same way. Well, but now she stuck it to you. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, if she even listens to this episode, but so I'm the history guy. Justin's the stats guy, and so we're gonna always begin with a little history. So we will start with the history of Miles Dewey Davis the third. He was born on May 2nd, 1926 in Alton, Illinois, which was about 15 miles north of St. Louis. 
He was raised in East St. Louis to an actually an affluent family. Okay. So his mother, Colette, I believe. Colette. Uh, it's a common Cleota? Cleota. I think it's oh, Cleota. Okay, that's not a common Yeah. Name. Was a music teacher and a violinist. And I believe his dad was a dentist. Uh, but I, I didn't write that one down. Uh, he At the age of nine, he received his first trumpet as a gift from his father's friend. And then at the age of 15, he had attended East St. Louis Lincoln High School and joined the marching band. And they actually competed in competitions. During these competitions, he was actually discriminated against because of his race mm. and, you know, affluent family. So, you know, he was integrated to these schools that right. they didn't have much integration previously or, or these other schools that he was sure. competing against didn't have any integration at all. And, you know, at the age of 15, he also started to learn music theory, which I th- was very impressed by that, you know, he just wasn't interested in playing. He was interested in like the theory the, behind yeah, music. Yeah, the roots behind it, yeah. Yeah. And in nineteen forty four, Billy Eckstein visited St. Louis with a band that included Art Blakely, Dizzy Gillespie, and Charlie Parker. Their trumpeter, Buddy Anderson, was too sick to perform, so Davis was invited to join. So that's th- a cool honor. Were those those guys Obviously, I, re- I know the names. Yeah. Were they notable at that moment, yeah. at that time? Mm-hmm. Oh, that's really that's yeah. cool. Honor. And so even at the age of 18, so 19, 1944, um, you know, he was invited to do this. Davis, you know, his parents were big on, on going and getting an education, not just going straight into, you know, playing music and trying to, yeah. to do it that way. So in September of 1944, he accepted an invitation to the Institute of Musical Arts um, in New York City. Cool. Do you know what that that is more commonly known as now? Uh, I was going to say IMA. <laughs> That's not a thing. Um, the uh, something with the arts. I think one of my friends actually went there. Got what is it? Juilliard School. Ju- Juilliard. Oh, I wouldn't have guessed that. But yes, I've heard of that. Yeah. You know, very famous arts, yeah. uh, performing arts specifically right. school. Yeah, Davis made his first recording as a band leader in 1946 with the Miles Davis Sextet. Sextet, okay. That's a lot of instruments. Yes, yes. Not not a very common, I don't no. think, version of a band. But he but, gave credit to all the members. Good. Yeah. In 1944. He actually de- declined the offer to join Duke Ellington's orchestra, and he entered rehearsals with a nine-piece band with pianist and uh, arranger Gil Evans and baritone saxophonist Jerry M- Mulligan, mm-hmm. and they really developed their own project rather than joining this Duke. El- I mean, I'm sure you've Kudos. heard of Duke Ellington. Oh yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah, that's that's a bold move to do at that age and unproven and to say no to to Duke. I mean, Duke was on top of the world at that point. Yeah. After signing a contract with Capitol Records, they recorded sessions in January and April of 1949, which sold little but influenced the cool or West Coast style of jazz. In 1950, he toured with Billy Eckstein and 
Billie Holiday, uh, and as actually was arrested for heroin possession in Los Angeles. Uh oh. Yeah. That's trouble. Yeah. So this kind of actually rock and roll didn't really down Angeles. down spiral him, but it became a theme mm. throughout the rest of his career with with uh, drugs. Yeah. Um, That's a shame. Yeah. He he wrote in. 1954 Sugar Ray Robinson was the most important thing in his life besides music and adopted Robinson's arrogant attitude interesting yeah Kind of Blue his final album of the uh, 1950s is now considered one of the greatest albums ever recorded Uh, and it was uh, credited as the largest selling jazz album of all time 1969, his record's uh, first jazz fusion, uh, rock and jazz, came out, and and that was uh, kind of mixed reviews mm-hmm. with that record. Um, and then we fast forward to 1979, uh, excuse me, um, and he met Cecily Tyson, an American actress, who helped him overcome his cocaine addiction. Uh, and he eventually married Tyson in 1981. And... It was a late marriage. Yeah, pretty late. Yeah. He had relationships with others and had kids throughout, mm-hmm. but that was his first marriage that I saw. Sure. Uh, in 1990, Miles Davis was awarded the Lifetime Achievement Grammy Award, which was a pretty pretty big award. Uh, and then he passed away in September 28th, 1991. So kind of nice that he got awarded that before he passed away in, in mm-hmm. 1991. But, um, you know, that's kind of the life of Miles Davis. Cool. Well, uh, I'll take us through a little bit of uh, some stats on this. So Miles had uh, just a couple quick hit numbers. So he had 51 studio albums 36 live albums, 35 compilation albums, 27 video albums, 57 singles, and a variety of miscellaneous stuff beyond that. Uh, But as you mentioned, Kind of Blue, which is in that 1959 year, it's now, you know, about 60 years after that release. It still remains that best-selling jazz album of all time, and there was more Hmm. than 4 million copies that have been sold uh, in that time, and uh, according to this, uh, the album still sells an average of 5,000 copies a week, which is wild to me. Wow. I mean, it's 5,000, and we there's billions of people in the world, but uh, but that's a that's a pretty fair amount. Uh, so that will slowly, maybe someday it'll be five. Uh, but yeah, for that album, he had five platinum, and I had to look this up, and I think it was, and now I'm, I should have quoted this as well, but... Platinum, I think, is hitting a certain certificate at, uh, I think it's a million, confirm this. I think it's a, or maybe it's not a million, maybe it's 500,000. No, it's a million, sorry. It's one million copies sold um, in the U.S. And to get Diamond, it's, I think, 10 million, and then you can get Diamond. So anyway, he he went five times Platinum, two times Platinum in the U.K., which has some different standards, and then once in Italy. And then he only had four other, so that was under the Columbia record, uh, the kind of blue. He only had four other Columbia albums that received some type of certification, and and one other on went later on in his Capitol records. So in 19- by the way, you were correct. 
Okay. A million and 10 million. All right. My memory did not fail me. It's kind of interesting that they don't do the same across the yeah. other countries. I wonder if you're a if you're a US artist or maybe just music isn't the same I don't know. I, I it's it is odd though, but There's I less people in the UK, but like and it, well Canada is like barely any. Yeah. It's 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 a strange and I, I maybe one point we'll look deeper into how they certify some of the music. Um, but that was something that that was kind of interesting that they had different levels for different countries. But so in 1970, Davis performed at the Isle of Wight Festival, and he toured with rock bands, you know, rather than jazz artists. And it actually was the largest audience that he would ever have at 600,000 people watching him perform on stage at uh, one time. At one time, yes, 600. Yeah. I mean, when you have those festivals and they're like in the middle of a field and it's just like so many thousand people. Yeah, but I'm just thinking about like a stadium or like oh, a yeah. normal. That's like six times the size of a large stadium. Probably more than that because a lot of. But, but that was the largest that ever watched him perform on stage. In 1971, Davis signed a contract with Columbia that paid him $100,000 a year which in today's dollars, it's about $630,000, which again, still seems not that large, uh, but it was for three years in addition to some royalties. He mentioned the Grammy for the lifetime, uh, but he was actually nominated for th- uh, 32 over the course of his career. And uh, kind of an interesting, well, knowing all of that and even some of the the money that he made throughout so at his funeral which was what 91 he uh there was more than 500 people that were in attendance so big big impact but at the time of his death his estate was valued at about a million dollars the interesting thing with that is and one that's not that much considering his entire lifetime of career but he i know that there was some child support things and some other stuff throughout his year. He had obviously drug issues. So I think financially wasn't like a big thing for him. But what I did think was kind of odd that in his will, Davis left 20% to his daughter, Cheryl, 40% to his son, Aaron, 10% to his nephew, Vincent, and 15% to each of his brother, Vernon, and his sister, Dorothy. He excluded his two sons, Gregory and Miles, the fourth. So two, like, can you imagine that will reading and knowing that your dad gave 40% to one of the kids, 20% to another kid, and then no money to the two other kids? That would, that would hurt. Well, it depends on what the relationship was like already, though. I'm sure there's a lot of complexity to it, but I still, I think that would be pretty rough. So... That that was kind of the end of my my stats for him. Some quick quick hitters for that. All right, let's uh, do some friendship test. We just become best friends. Yep. All right, Brian. I want to start with this and just you know start off the bat. We talked a little bit about our our history and our uh, our history, I guess, and and you know try not to bury the lead there. But do you actually like jazz? Do you do you enjoy jazz? I don't listen to jazz. Yeah. Okay. No. Uh, ever since school and I had to I don't listen to jazz yeah I I now I had a couple of classmates who are 
jazz musicians oh, okay. still. Cool. But I just Yeah. I don't listen to it. So I'm I'm pretty similar. I, I think I went through a stretch in college. You know, when when I don't know about you, but one of our assignments within that class was actually to go to a live or live jazz performances. So we would have to search them out and find them at local coffee shops or restaurants or whatever. And I still remember this, you know, it was a project and I had to take notes on it. And I, I took Alyssa's early on in our, our dating, but, uh, but we went out to some restaurant and, and listened to jazz. And I thought that was the coolest thing. One of the coolest things that I've done uh, was to go to a jazz you know, artist and have him be playing while you're eating dinner. It just was a cool moment. And I had a, I, like I said, I had a ton of appreciation for it. So I, I wouldn't say I went through a jazz phase, but I really enjoyed it. And, um, while I don't listen to it now, if someone were to come up to me that I knew and was a friend and was like, Hey, I'm going to go see this jazz artist, you know, this weekend, do you want to come? I'm all in. So that's a PSA for anyone who wants to invite me to one. But I know that in Seattle, there's some spots where they play some good live jazz I've heard of. Uh, I don't know if the Crocodile is one of those, but there's a, there's a couple locations that will do it. And I've just been, I don't know many other people that like jazz. And that's why uh, I don't, I don't know if I'll ever do it because I don't want to just do it myself. But Yeah. I mean, we, we talked about this a little bit and, and I guess maybe I should just go back to that day. 1.21 So when I was in school, we competed in the Lionel Hampton Jazz Festival in the University of Idaho. And Lionel Hampton was a, uh, it's not xylophone, it is... Kitar? No, xylophone is the one where you... Like, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, but it was like the professional version of a xylophone. Yes. Uh, uh, maybe <laughs> you can look. Maybe it's you a can... xylophone competition. Uh, I'll no, look it's it up not. While it's not a competition. It. But Lionel Hampton was just a very famous, you know, musician with. Oh, uh, it's gonna come to me. It, but essentially, um, you know, it it was a big deal in in Moscow, Idaho, and you know, vibraphone. No. Well, this is what. Is that what he played? Yeah, it's called a vibraphone. No. Musical instrument, subfamily of the percussion family. It's listed under his Lionel Hampton's instrument. Uh, that doesn't sound right. No, it looks like he's pretty good at that. But he he could have two, uh, two of the mallets, I guess you would call them, yeah. in his hand and play. Yeah. At the same time. So I saw him play yeah. one time before he passed okay. away. That's cool. Um, but then, you know, one of the other things that I <laughs> I remember when I was in elementary school, uh, you know, th- the musicians would come in and they would play for the schools and kind of help, you know, pub the the actual festival. And, you know, they're, they're playing at, the ni- at nighttime and so they don't have much to do in the day. Yeah. So they came to our school and I remember there was a drummer and his name was Wally Gator Watson. Ooh. And he's just this big guy, you know, goatee, and he was so cool. <laughs> he was just so cool. Uh, I, I just oh, looked Wally. him up. I, I looked him up, and he, it looks like he passed away Aww. about eight years ago, nine years ago. But, um, you know, I just vividly remember Wally Gator yeah. Watson. Like, I mean, that's – it's – 
that's why I there's a piece of and I, I think I might have taken this out as a question, but there's such a really cool factor tied to jazz. Like it's this nonchalance nonchalance that is I don't know, it's just unique and it's different and I know it's not mainstream, it's not, you know, this it doesn't fit and doesn't align with how music is today, but it I I do appreciate, you know, listening to it sometimes. And I'm not just saying that just to say it. Like I I actually enjoy you know, I think there's a coolness factor to listening to jazz that you don't really get the same vibe. Um, maybe there's certain musicians that that carry that with them, but jazz was always one that, that felt unique and cool. Vibraphone just doesn't sound like the right thing. But if you look it up, does I it look d- like what you're saying? Yeah, kind of. Yeah. I don't know. It's a xylophone, essentially, but, like, I didn't think that's what it was called, but... Yeah. Anyways, well, I digress. Yeah. You know, so who do you think is the best jazz musician of all time? Yeah. This is a tough question uh, because if you asked me this before this episode, I probably wouldn't have listed Miles. He wouldn't have been the first name that came to mind. Uh, Louis Armstrong was one that, yep. that jumps out to me as, as one that that is prominent. Duke Ellington was another one that I'd probably list before Miles again. I mean, I think my appreciation. I don't, I I listened to some of Miles' work uh, at, in research, and um, you know, the best thing about jazz is that you know when I'm working, I can I actually really enjoy music without lyrics. So jazz, while it's probably five percent of my rotation, mm-hmm. I do put it on sometimes when I'm doing stuff. Though sometimes. It depends on what kind of jazz. So you can really get stuck in some really scatty jazz that just gets your mind bouncing off the walls, which yeah. isn't necessarily what I want all the time. So in terms of, of most notable or, or best, I'd probably put those two. Though I'm going to I'm gonna throw a little curveball, which I'm not stating that this person is the most, the best jazz artist. But if you said notable to me, I... I would say like one of the most the key people in my growing up in terms of jazz mm, is Kenny G. Don't say yeah. it. I have to. I mean, I'm not again, I'm not comparing him to these legends, but Kenny G is somebody that I I feel like needs to be mentioned. I mean, he in the 90s with the saxophone, he dominated the genre. I I still remember I I was thinking about this, it hit me today and I can tell you the station that I weirdly, I guess my parents, my mom or, or my stepdad or somebody listened to to uh, Smooth Jazz. And I can remember the station, Smooth Jazz, WJJZ 106.1. I still remember that, even though I haven't heard that in 20 years. But they would play Kenny G all the time in the 90s because he was just this legend already, like so quickly. And I did want to look this up as a, just a stat, I know you cringe at it, but he had 75 million albums sold worldwide, which makes him technically the most successful instrumentalist of all time. If you go by those measures. Wow. So again, I don't think he is the best. I don't think he's the most notable, but for me growing up in terms of jazz was not relevant unless it was Kenny G in the nineties, at least. Surprising because he's a Seattle guy. 
Kenny G's a Seattle guy? Mm-hmm. What? Oh, man. That's pretty awesome. Yeah. Uh, he's getting old. He's getting in the 60s, I think, now. Yeah. But uh, good for him. Go yeah, Seattle. Yeah. So Louis Armstrong, I think, is is the name that pops to mind for me immediately. Yeah. From just a true jazz perspective. Yeah. You know, as a trumpeter, one of the names that I think I remember the most is Dizzy Gillespie. Yep. Because of his, like, the horn, like the trumpet horn would stick up. And then he would also, you know, they always teach you to hold your cheeks in tight when you are, you know, playing the instrument. And he didn't do that. Yeah. And so, like, all of his neck you know, skin and everything. Yeah. Like that was the number one reason why you had to make sure your, your cheeks were tight when you were yeah. playing and not just blowing air into your mouth yeah. was because Dizzy Gillespie and, and what he looked like, but That's it was funny. so iconic, like mm-hmm. his look, but I don't think, I don't think anybody can really beat Louis Armstrong. I mean, Miles Davis is definitely up there. I think he is more influential because of the jazz and rock and roll, yeah. Than maybe Louis was, but from a straight jazz, I mean, I think it's got to be Louis Armstrong. I don't yeah. know. Yeah, and I don't. I mean, it's I'm part, not an expert. I, I, no, neither of us are. I think with with Louis, you had you had the singing as well, and you had this like unique style to him that resonated beyond just the jazz era. Whereas I think Miles, Miles, you know went a little bit beyond but i think for the most part was kind of kept in that um i was thinking about this as you were talking um i didn't realize that you took a similar class to me i i felt like it could have been you know just this is in hindsight but it would have been cool to think about like name a a random jazz artist and see if you can name the instrument that they played because i feel like there's some that like like art tatum like have you heard that name before art tatum no like he was a famous pianist and um there was like Fats Waller yeah. and some of these names that like I've literally was they were f- popping up in my searches was because it Fats it, Waller a bassist? I think he was. I know Art Tatum was a pianist. I don't remember Fats Waller, but but it would have been you know th- there's names like that that you don't hear that often, if ever, anymore mm-hmm. unless you study and look at jazz in particular. But yeah, that's but, why Ga- Gator Wally Gator. There you go, Watson. Wally Gator. Just he, stuck with he'll me. be with you forever. Yeah. All right. Well, one more one more question, then we'll get into the delusional thinking. And this is a little a little out there, but if you could be a musician in any decade, what decade would that be? Um. Hmm. And I'm picking that musician, or I'm picking that yeah, style. of you music. you pick the style of music you want. I think that I would want to be. Is it weird to say that I would I would hmm. That's a tough question. <laughs> do you want do you want to think about while I'll give you mine? Well, or do you have You know, idea? I was thinking like boy band in the 90s. Oh. Okay. Uh because one I don't think I would really have to have that much talent. Yeah. And I think I could actually do that like <laughs> You think you could do that right now? You think you just I mean with a little coaching, but <laughs> yeah, 
Why not? Wow, you just slapped Justin Timberlake right in the face. Well, I, not on the – we're not talking like top level. Oh, okay. But like – Lance Bass and Joey Fatone. <laughs> wow, okay, <and laughs> so so second tier. Okay, yeah. got it. Yeah, that's. I don't that's think much I could easier. make it on my own, but but I could make it in a boy band. Okay, can I? If you if you say so, <laughs> I uh, can make it to uh, you know. I feel like you would stick out like a <laughs> thor or sore thumb. Like I just, there's something about you dancing <laughs> with other guys and um, a, a yeah. choreographed because I'm six dance. three. Yeah, they're probably pretty short. Probably, but yeah, I don't know. That's that, uh, interesting. So, what was that? Nineties then with boy bands? Yeah. Is that correct? Nineties boy band. Okay, all right. Um, I'd probably make pretty good money. Yeah, sh- sure. Uh, agree to disagree. Um, <laughs> I would actually, um, and this is why I actually thought of this question was I would choose the twenties, and I'm going to do. I'll do jazz because I think that's the most prominent music at that time. Okay. Um, I don't know what instrument I ne- – probably, you know, I'll, I'll play a little sax. I always want – I felt like that you was always – You said that last time. Yeah, you yeah, I did sax. say that. I want to play a sax. There's just something cool about the sax. So being in a jazz band, doing that, you know, a, a pianist would be really cool too. Uh, but I think uh, there's something about the 20s and music in that time. I, I know it's – glorified in a way but the roaring 20s like just the flapper dresses and the just prohibition you're going on you know the speakeasies and that there's just something fascinating about that that era that that decade that i'm maybe more intrigued by the decade than i am the music but the music with jazz i think would be really cool maybe you're the pre-kenny g maybe yeah i inspire kenny g Maybe I already did. Maybe I'm a time traveler. I'm just, just saying. Um, but uh, all right. Well, let's get into our delusional thinking. You really are crazy. So, Justin, you you had me pull this soundbite from a movie, a, a yeah. fairly iconic movie. Yeah. And I thought this was going to have to do with our delusional thinking this week. So. I'm not even really sure where we're weaving this in, but but let's take a listen. Well, I guess that's it. It's okay, everybody, back on the bus. Hey, what's with Ernie? I don't know. I'll be right back. Hey, Ernie. What's up? Nothing. You falling in love with the wall or something? I had an accident. You had an accident? What does that mean? Goo! Oh, I know. Okay. Uh, don't worry, buddy. You hang tight. I'll be right back. For those of you who don't know, this is Billy Madison. Yes. Adam Sandler. Hey, look, everybody. Billy peed his pants. Of course I peed my pants. Everybody my age pees their pants. It's the coolest. Really? Yes! You ain't cool unless you pee your pants. Wow. Hey, man, Ernie pees pants, too. We'll get to the Miles Davis. <laughs> All right. If peeing your pants is cool, consider me Miles Davis. <laughs> oh, that was the grossest thing I've ever heard in my life. <laughs> yeah. 
So here's what I thought the delusional <laughs> thinking was going to be. Oh, okay. Something around peeing your, peeing pants? your pants. It could have been. It could have been. Here's the truth, though. If if you ask me name anything related to Miles Davis before this podcast research started, <laughs> that would have been one of the only things I knew about him. But I thought you took a class. I did. I did. But like I said, I there was a lot more focus on all of these like earlier stage jazz artists that I didn't know a ton about him. So for me... Billy Madison and that quote, like I, I say that quote more than most people, I think. And I don't know why it come whenever it comes up, if anyone ever says pee in their pants, it it's immediate trigger for me to use that quote, uh, as a response. But, uh, I just wanted to hear it. It just may, if we're ever going to play that quote, it's, it's going to be a, in a Miles Davis episode. So, well, we did have an Adam Sandler one before this. Sure. So <laughs> I guess it could have worked then, but there's a lot of other quotes there. Uh, but no, this has nothing to do with peeing your pants, uh, unless you weirdly, you know, try some weird twist on this question. But uh, the question at hand is: Would you rather have? We're gonna say we're gonna throw two in here. So Miles Davis, I'm gonna throw Kenny G in here too. If you want a different instrument, okay. But uh, follow you around uh, playing smooth jazz or, or or Miles Davis, you know, more classic jazz, or would you ha- rather have the voice of Christopher Walken narrate your life? Okay, so jazz following me around all the time. Yep. Uh, or Chris- Christopher Walken narrating my life. Okay, yeah. I have two uh, two kind of similar questions to each side. So sure. do I hear it and other people don't, or does everyone hear the- You hear it, everyone hears it. And is this at all times at- at the same level or uh, or if someone else is talking does ooh. the volume change i'm gonna say you can adjust the volume but not turn it off like you can't it's always playing even if it's muted a little bit yeah so like but, if you and i are talking we can still hear each other yes, so it's not impacting but, but i definitely hear the music like if you're talking to me i'm yeah. just yeah and maybe I can't focus on you. And like you'd have but, Christopher Walken saying, "Oh, yes. you know, there's a discussion, and they're yeah. they're in the you know soundproof room, yeah. and they've got microphones that uh-huh. are black." And, yes. Yeah. Yep. Okay. Yep. All right. Well, um, you know, I think this would be a big have a big impact on my life. Yes. Oh, my other question. Sorry. Yeah. One more. Are they actually physically there? Ooh, good question. Uh, that, hmm. I'm going to say that they Or is are, it more of a voice of God? Yeah, I think more a voice of God. Or, uh, or music. Or, or, yeah, okay. like just, they're they're not there, but you could probably speak to them if you needed to, like like Christopher, whatever, or, or Miles, okay. whatever. Okay. I think you All could right. do that. All right. Spirit is there. All right. So, I, you know, I, I think... That impacts me a little bit because I think it'd be kind of cool to have, you know, a person playing an instrument follow actually physically following me yeah. around. Uh, it wouldn't be as cool having Christopher Walken actually following me around at all times. I don't think that. It'd yeah. take a little bit of explaining, you know, whereas, like, if I just had a musician playing music, uh-huh. I-, I think people would accept that. Not great, but I think it would be like a little bit of like, oh yeah, he's got. They're playing his theme song, but yeah. Um, so I'm gonna go with Christopher Walken. Okay. 
because I think it would be really cool to kind of hear a second person's thought on on what my life sure. is, yeah. is happening right now. Yeah. Um, I think that'd be kind of cool. Yeah. I don't think I need constant music. Yeah. Especially not jazz. I don't know that I'd want to listen to that all the time. I think that the type the type of jazz makes a difference. And just just like I said earlier where you're listening to a certain type where it gets you really Now, I would guess that if you have a good jazz artist and Miles is a perfect example where he can evolve the music based off of what's happening. And that's It would be your that, soundtrack. Yeah, exactly. Not and you could you could probably get some bed music that's, you know, just casual whatever, which is nice and ease and maybe you can request I don't know if we want to bring this into it, but maybe you can request a song to be played or something for certain moments. But but for the most part hot cross buns. <laughs> yes, please play on the recording. Come on, Kenny. <laughs> um but uh for for me my my way of thinking is Christopher Walken would be cool. It'd be interesting to hear another voice. I I do agree with you there. Christopher Walken's voice would get to me after a while. It just is like, ugh. Like I don't know. Like it's it's just a it's a very prominent voice that would start to irk me a little bit. Plus, you almost don't like. Here here's the the other piece to this. As I'm thinking of it, is like there's certain moments in your life that you want private and the music piece would let me forget that someone's there. <laughs> but if, if Christopher Walken is narrating everything, you know, that's, you know, that's not the best. Uh, so uh, there, I would, I would be a little bit uh, not interested in that. And I, I do think if I had to choose between the two, it probably would get old too, but I'd probably go Kenny just because I, again, I, I turned on some, some Kenny G today just to to do a flashback and holy crap I immediately went back into 1997 and was like oh my gosh I haven't heard this song in forever but his music is the essence of smooth jazz and so you can just flow through your life with a saxophone guiding you ah, that's that's more on par with what I would want so I, I think I would lean towards the uh, the bed of music, the narration through through music of my life. While you talk about the the private yes moments, I, it would be a little bit strange. weird, strange. Yeah, but I don't know. I, I I mean, sometimes those like awkward moments need a little bit of private awkward moments need a little bit of uh, humor tied to them sure why not i mean i'm curious too if he would make be making like i mean he could jokes and stuff within it and he can flow you know with it's just the the narration of your life it's not like you know but here's the thing other people can hear it and so you know let's 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 do a flashback and you you know you're in whatever age and you're going for your first kiss and there's Christopher Walken. He's not there, but his voice is like, and he, then he goes in for the move, and he screwed it up. He totally messed it up. Like, whatever. Like, that type of thing could, like, would really get to me. Because, like, those moments are awful as they are, or, you know, memorable, but awful as they are. And so to, like, 
have someone else be like, yeah, I saw that too. Did you catch that girl that just, you know, screwed that up too? I, I don't know. I think. Yeah, but that that's a little bit more, um, I feel like that's more opinion based than necessarily narration okay. of, of my life. I mean, he's. It would be, it would be more like, you know, describing every move of me going in for this kiss to this which this is younger. also awful. <laughs> this is Is it? Well, in this scenario, you're the only person that has a narrator in real life. So, <laughs> she's ta- already taken a risk to to come in for the kiss, but you know, now she's got to hear every move before you do it or as you're doing it. It's I don't know. Maybe she wants to be narrated too. Maybe. Maybe when you get married, you get two narrators and they're just working together on yeah, your uh, bit. Well, I, I, I'm, <laughs> if that's my hope, then uh, I'm in trouble. Yeah. Well, uh, this was an interesting one, I, as as they tend to be, but I, I had fun with, with this topic. We, we don't talk jazz very often. It's good to bring it back. Resurgence of jazz. Yeah. I don't know that we ever talk jazz. Yeah. This sure. isn't a lunch table conversation. No, probably not. But I feel like it's a educated, uh, a, uh, I feel sophisticated talking jazz, you know? I feel like we should have, we should have invested just for this episode into like a jazz bed instead of our classic, uh, I don't even know what, what style of music is this? Uh-huh. I don't even know what I would call this. Catchy? <laughs> Yeah, I don't know. I don't remember but, what it was called. But thank you to the questers for hanging in, talking jazz with us for an hour, and uh, hopefully you enjoyed. As I, as we always say, make sure you subscribe to us if this is your first episode. We got plenty of other ones out there that are a variety of different topics. Make sure you, if you like this one or, or you didn't, try another one, and I'm sure we'll catch your attention on some. But but we are on Apple, Google, Spotify, wherever you get your podcast. And uh, feel free to throw a like and a follow towards us on Twitter, Facebook, or Instagram, or wherever you're getting your stuff. Uh, keep the love coming. By the way, I think uh, listener Maureen commented that uh, right before we started recording that there was a dill pickle pasta, I believe, that oh. she thought about the quest. Oh. See, when- people are thinking about us in their daily lives. We appreciate you, questers. Maureen, keep coming back. Tell your friends. Tell your family. And, uh, yeah, we appreciate you. All right. Well, until next time on the Quest for 100. Quest for 100.